I love that that one sounded like you were gargling. <laughs> I know. It went a little too deep. Is maybe it was a little too far. Troy Tempest. <laughs> okay, it's much better when you do it. You totally get yeah, it's gargly, but it's oh, also boy, kind no, of no. sexy. You're like <laughs> It's uh it's the Merman from Stingray meets Eartha Kit somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Now oh. now this is gonna be the cold open, it's just me making fun of myself. Welcome to Drock, our monthly podcast wherein we talk about Judge Dredd, the complete case files, Mega City One's most famous and esteemed lawman. Uh, I am Jeff Lester, and with me is my equally esteemed co-host, Graham McMillan, who's wondering if he's also at Mega City One's most esteemed llama, which is where I thought you were going for a second. Oh, there we go. Lawman and llama. It's like a 70s TV show. Um... Anyway, we are coming to you live from Dave Arneson Block uh, in Mega City One to discuss the very um, <laughs> dogs' Go breakfast on. might be uh, over praising it. Judge Dredd: The Restricted Case Files, Volume Four, uh, collecting Dread stories from the 2000 AD annuals and specials. Um, uh, I, I will break this down slightly thank you. more. It collects material from shockingly 1994 through 2012. Wow. You may or may not remember or whatnot that the restricted files is basically the material from the annuals, the specials. And in this case, also, there's uh, stuff from Dice Man issue one and also Free Comic Book Day <laughs> Proc 2012. Wow, really? Uh, it, it is a collection of, I mean, odds and ends feels too nice it's a collection of shit it's the short <laughs> version of her saying these are not good comics this is it's funny because we did the second last case files last episode that's right and that that was rough mm-hmm. but you know there's a sense of like you know we're bringing things to a close for drock and you know let, let's go out in high notes and i was feeling that until i read this volume mm-hmm. uh, and then like going out in high note is impossible because these are legitimately some of the worst dread stories we've done in all of Drock. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I have to say it is impressive how much some of these are. I always think of the Nadir of dread, at least over the period of Drock um, after Wagner left and, and has stepped in and they had a few other people sort of try their hands, but they were also very much, um, had moved to color and post Bisley and so much painted art and a lot of just, just really terrible art. And so, uh, how do I put it? Like this somehow managed to drop below that. And I'm kind of fascinated as to how, in a way, because you have like, normally the saving grace for us of any drop is John Wagner. And the higher the percentage of Wagner 
in a volume, usually the, the better the volume, right? The farther away we get from the dreaded dross rating, but but this one has a lot of Wagner uh, and some very fine artists, and still manages to be pretty terrible more it's, often yeah, than not. It's, you know, it's kind of amazing. But you know, we start in 1994 with, with and the majority of this material, I should say in this book is from 1994 to 1996. Like the majority of it, there's only a handful of stories that are from outside of that window. Right. But the mid nineties were not kind to dread. Yeah. You know, like sure. we, we, we were saying that as we were going through the case files, that's really, really evident here because the mid nineties weren't kind to dread. And also to be honest, the annuals and the specials have never really been kind to dread either. Mm-hmm. Right. First trip that has a lot of great one-offs. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing how often the annuals and the specials feel like afterthoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially here, when, you know, they're provided by, you know, Mark Miller, Robbie Morrison, Gordon Rennie as writers, Jim Alexander, you know, uh, Alan McKenzie. There's an Alan McKenzie in there that's, that's really terrible. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're kind of shockingly not just bad, but like bad and also off model. And in a couple of cases, I mean, in this volume, and it's one of the Wagner written stories, but there is the worst art I've read in any Dread story. Mm. And also there is the worst lettering I've seen in in a, a number of these stories. Okay. Uh, in from any of the 2080s. You do realize there are two stories that get, in theory get a gimme in here, right? Tell me the gimme. Uh, Sugar Daddy and Out of the Black Stuff, because... Okay, why do, Why does Sugar Daddy, which is the worst drawn uh, story I've ever seen for Dread, why does that get a gimme? The gimme is that James Joyce, when he drew it, was, I think, under 12 years old. The, for real? For real. Sugar Daddy it, and Out of the... Oh my god, the, now, I, now I feel bad. Yeah. Sugar Daddy and Out of the Black Stuff, I think I looked at up i don't know where it came across this info but those were contest winners from a contest to create a new to create a villain for <laughs> judge dread and now the, i do genuinely feel terrible if he was under 12 years old <laughs> yeah so so the prize was they got to actually draw the story so james joyce won in the like I think it's age six to 12 division and then sean mcnaughton won in the 12 to 18 division i, I i'm looking up in barney right now and you're 100 correct in that case james joyce's art seems much better now that i know that he was uh, less than 12 years old that's right because before that i genuinely was like what this sounds terrible in retrospect but i was like did a kids do this and then, <laughs> yes you know what which is kind of amazing yeah um Sean McNaughton stuff. No, that's that. Yeah, I, I honestly do not like. I think there's worse artwork in this volume than his. Oh, for it. Sean McNaughton's work was. I, I, I was like James Joyce. I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense. I'm like, wait, Sean McNaughton was not a pro because his work. I remember finishing it, being like, I've seen worse. And again, there's worse art worse in, in this, this volume. volume. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sean McNaughton actually comes out and and he is the guy, admittedly, it was a super quick Google search, but I didn't find any other comics work from him. And it's kind of a kind of a kind of a shame, you know, for I think 
you know. I I'm, I feel I do genuinely feel bad and also better that James Joyce. Uh, there's reasons why his artwork is so shockingly bad. Exactly. Exactly. Again, it's not bad in context. In context, <laughs> it's actually quite good. But yes, by the same token, it is dread being drawn by an under 12. So so before you were getting where you were getting, I wasn't sure if he the, if Joyce was no, being no, that, singled that, out. No, that, that genuinely was. And so I'm, I'm, I am glad and do feel appropriately embarrassed. <laughs> I was hoping for relieved. But yeah, no, 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 no. You sure, not. both. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's like there's the, the le- okay, what's your defense for the lettering? Because uh, basically everything that appears in the Judge Dredd Mega Special 1995 uh, is lettered by Fiona Stevenson, and it is just terrible lettering. And oh, it's yeah. it's lettering that appears that it may also have been done at the wrong size. Mm. Oh, 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 yeah. There's actually a piece, uh, Sleeping Satellite. Something got completely fucked up on Sleeping Satellite, where the font is really sized poorly but i guess actually come to think of it you're right i think it's all pretty terrible no I, honestly i gotta say i have i uh, apart from trying to to save you from shaming a couple of kids you can actually go to town <laughs> yeah, I, on fiona I, stevenson I, unless I, it turns I, I out she was eight yeah I, I shame them yeah i i i, I shame them and i do feel bad yeah. so so congratulations do i edit this out is the question <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it in so everyone can hear my embarrassment. Because I am embarrassed. James Joyce is the only one who has that defense, Jeff, because the rest of the volume is also, for the most part, genuinely shit. Oh, terrible. Absolutely. Like, and in like fact, really yeah. appallingly bad. It's so bad that there's Raptor Returns by Alan Grant, Tony Luke, and Dean Armstrong, and that somehow is not the worst story in the entire book. I mean, only it's because close. it's not a story? I mean, you know, I mean... <laughs> Honestly, it's it's practically a free form poem of utter shit. It's there's 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 a lot of terrible stuff here, but I do I am impressed at how much uh the Judge Dread Mega Special nineteen ninety five, which is a huge chunk of this now that I'm looking at it, like It's so bad. All of it is indefensively it's, I, terrible, you know? Yeah, it's funny because I, I genuinely was uh looking at where everything came from mm-hmm. and i had this moment of like anyone who bought that particular issue must have been really pissed absolutely, absolutely. because that that is a shockingly shockingly bad comic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah hands down hands down well so let's just do a sort of speedy tour through the misery shall we and uh kind of kind of run down the 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 extensive low points and the few occasional high points. Um, well, I, okay, can we start with the high points? Because I'm curious. I'm curious what you liked from the volume. Let Let's be positive for a second, Jeff. One second. I will tell you that I was one hundred and ten percent absolutely delighted by Dice Man number one, the House of Death, Wagner and Grant script with art by Brian Talbot that that is, you know, wrenched from the early days of Dread and is a playable uh, role-playing game comic. Like, uh, did, I... Did you play it? I did. I did. And I, I... Did you? I guess you didn't. 
I did. Oh, good. I'm so I, glad. I played it more than once. Oh, oh great. I, I went through it the second time. So I have to tell you, I made it all the way up until the point where they tell you not to open that cabinet, that bed, the bedroom wardrobe again. You know, you get two warnings, and of course, Dredd's lost his weapon. So I actually made it all the way to the final encounter with Judge Death and then died. And then, so I had to restart over, but everything, I played through the rest of it. I was like, I'm doing really well. And it's, yeah. I thought it was really fun, actually. It was, it was genuinely fun. It, it's, it's maybe my favorite thing in the book. He, oh, God, uh, if I'm so surprised. I did have so much fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did have so much fun. Yeah. One of the things that I also think is great about uh, the House of Death is that, um, apart from it being a role-playing comic that that is something that I've seen in, a, you know, again, Diceman, I, I would love to try and hunt up some of the other old issues, but, you know, Al Ewing's done some really delightful stuff with that, with Deadpool, and I know, I, I'm aware of it as a is a genre and I've never necessarily been that into it. You know, the Deadpool stuff was fun, but, but what was, what I thought was really great apart from it's Wagner and it's Grant and it's Brian Talbot doing some really lovely, clearly Boland inspired work, you know, and just looking great in black and white. But, but what, what's terrific about it, I thought was having read so much dread by now, you can really quote unquote role play as dread. Like I was like, Oh, okay. I know what dread would do in this circumstance. He's not going to sneak around the back. He's going to break through the front. And sure enough, if you do, it's kind of a, it's kind of a cooler experience. Like again, Mm -hmm. part of the way I felt like up until that last moment, I was quote unquote role playing as dread. And it's, which is, not the hardest thing to do in a way. It's not. No, like no. It's I, subtle, I, at this point, honestly, it's, yeah. it's relatively easy, which is funny. That's exactly what I was as well. I was like, okay, what would dread do? Exactly. Like what feels like the most dready thing or not even that. What feels like the most dread story thing to do? Mm, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's actually probably true. Cause there, there are a couple of points, but so it just ended up being really, delightful there's a sequence of course where there's the two stairs that you go up and one's booby trapped and the other one's not and if you asked the dude about traps earlier he told you which i didn't do but just the way that talbot has drawing it i'm like oh one side of this thing is fucked up i'm gonna go up the other side and it totally paid off later i was like this is really well done so did you uh did you get to judge fear yeah i think i got all of them, right? Because fears, uh, yes. Fears, I, th- I, I think I can't uh, run into fear second. But did fear end up uh, triggering the the booby trap? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He ended up going which, down which the trap. Which is a really nice. Which is a really nice minute. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that part was really done. Great. No. No. I definitely encountered all four of the judges on my way, and it was only at, at the finale with death that I fucked up and had to start over. And then, and then I'll remember like what I ended up. Well, I mean, of course I knew that one cause it was just the one choice that I did differently and then it was fine. But, but then I went back and did do some of the other stuff, like asked the dude about the thing or like snuck around the back or 
just really surprised again surprisingly fun i'm so glad that you played it and i'm so glad that you also enjoyed it before we move on i just want to say uh to jeff and to anyone else who's like that sounds like fun rebellion is putting out a complete collection of dice man next year oh shit are they i'm in yeah, it's, I'm... it's coming in a complete dice man by john wagner pat mills mike collins mike Far- mark farmer steve dillon hunt emerson david lloyd graham manley kevin o'neill brian talbot john ridgeway Fucking shit. I'm in. I'm in. I got to tell you. Because that was, that was hands down so much more enjoyable. Like, I was like, oh, thank God. And the thing that's hilarious is, I don't even credit it, but it's followed by, what is the 14 pages of ancillary material from it, it's Trans-Time Holidays? From, from the annuals and from the specials. They appeared in different issues. I know this because like, I've seen them in the, the original positions. And I was like, wait, that was in an annual. But that was definitely in a special. Oh, okay. I think it's just like, I think they just had some pages free. Right. And no, so they totally. decided to put in a lot of the like text pieces and, and fact files. And, you know, here's how the gun works. Here's how right. the, the, the bike works, which are really fun. Yeah, they they were fun. I I at that point my patience was more or less worn out, but yeah, yeah, yeah. in in a way I almost wish they had maybe put that at the front in a way yes, or, or split up stories with them or something. Yeah, something, something cuz it it is like after Dice Man I'm like this is great and then I'm like oh this stuff looks fun and about after the fourth page of it cuz a little of it does go a long way. Uh, I was like, I, I, who the hell could get through all this? So. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So the British annuals and specials for that matter, mm-hmm. um, but specifically the annuals used to have a regimented format, mm-hmm. which was you could only have so many pages of new material. Right. And, you know, you had to have so many pages of reprint, but you also have so many print pages of text of material. Of text material. Yeah, right, right. So that's why you have all these. So you would get, like, if you got, you know, the Judge Dredd Annual 1984 or whatever, it would have, you know, like a three-part news story. Right. But it would have, like, you know, a reprint of sometimes not even Dread material. I want to say that the first time I read Shackle was in a reprint. Mm. And that might have been 2080 or in, in a, a Dread Annual. Wow. Um, but you also have, like, you know... Every two or three stories, you'd have these fact files, and it'd be like, "Here's a page on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, how the judges work or whatever." Right, right. It's funny because I do. I'm, I'm sort of used to, as I'm sure you have. It's always amazing when you run across those in like old DC comics or you know prior, of course, Marvel. Like there was some weird thing to like meet the postal requirements that comics mags have that used to have some sort of text material in them or something but yeah so i mean i'd like to think that i would be more patient or forgiving i was like oh this is bad enough and of course there's a weird way in which it was very um you know half of it's just the text pieces are fleshed out with like ron smith clip art or whatever and i'm like hey ron smith there's one of them that's like the the um you know how the academy of law works Mm -hmm. and Art in that is a reused page from a never published story from the attempted Judge Dredd Fortnightly that was going to come out in the 80s. Oh, right, which was going to do like some sort of academy thing or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and instead they repurposed a page of art for that that story. Well, that makes that makes sense, and that that was one that was one of the pages that I read that I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's funny though. Is the like the Diceman 
which was the role playing game. Um, the other reason that sort of a, a, a sort of a thematic shame that there's all those text pages is if that had been the closer and the opener being the could you be Judge Dread, which is Wagner kind of and Asterix, sort of the same, right? You know, like yeah. not not really in the sense of there's far less choose your own adventure type things, but the sort of quiz format of like do you do this do you do that and then at the end well, it gives you a score is kind of yeah. fun the funny thing is also could you be judge dread which starts the book uh echoes on the job which is the final quote-unquote news story in the book as well the mm. the wagner and rufus Stegel, is that they're both attempted to be like for newcomers this is judge dread right and right. you know could you be judge dread i feel does it so much more successfully mm-hmm Mm-hmm. On the job feels like it's it's Wagner, you know, politely phoning it in. You know, yeah. it, it, it's so exposition heavy and, right. and awkward in a way that honestly Wagner isn't normally. You know, that it's just like, you know. I didn't mind okay. it as much as you for whatever reason. I kind of get it. I mean, by that point, it's the the whole book is running on fumes and or your goodwill may have well have been fin- finished by Sugar Daddy. But... Yeah, on on the job, I thought, how do I put it? I kind of liked it as a as a new way to introduce dread. Like, and admittedly, that is sort of a phone it in kind of way, I suppose. But I sort of like the here's dread taking questions on the job while he like basically guns people down and blows things up like yeah yeah yeah. you know i sort of i sort of like that i kind of felt that could you be judge dread of course it's a scara art and it's it's very well done for wagner but it does it also was i mean it's wagner so therefore it's well done but it also was utterly unsurprising it, it's only surprising in retrospect for me because it's like, oh, it's competent, which is not going to be the case for so many of the pages <laughs> no, it, that follow. It's, yeah, it, it's kind of, again, the, the, the shockingly low level of quality in this book mm-hmm. is kind of amazing. And, you know, like I said, you start with Could You Be Judge Dredd, which when you're reading first through and, you, you know, you're like, oh, this is fine. Right. Uh, but then you immediately go into like Mr. Bennett joins the judges by Mark Miller and Peter Doherty, or oh, Sinded City, yes, right by Robert right. Morrison, June Salmon, and Jim Vickers, and both of those stories are so bad, crushingly bad. Yeah, crushingly that, bad. That could you be Judge Dredd? All of a sudden, feels like a, you know the Halcyon era. <laughs> Seriously, you're like, <laughs> go- oh my god, gold- this is the yeah. golden days of ten pages earlier. Right, you know, it, it's it's <laughs> such a uh, such a drop in quality. It's it's staggering and so quick, yeah. you know. So for me, for example, like could you be Judge Dredd? I think it's a, a fun enough story. Mm-hmm. Uh, mean Machine, I don't think is great. I'm just looking at the Wagner ones again. Strangers on a Zoom is fine. Uh, sorry. Can, oh, was... two two questions. One, I actually thought Strangers on a Zoom was was pretty decent for what it is and again it's for me it's like oh it's um it's well told i really like the aspect of you know again as wagner does it's more or less three little pieces being sutured together um yeah 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 but but i wanted to ask you do you happen to know anything about that issue because it looks like 
it's supposed to open with a fold-out page or something? Because it probably did. Um, okay. The, year, the yearbooks tended to have because uh, they yearbooks was were the the sort of upscale quote unquote follow ups mm-hmm. to the annuals. IPC or Fleetway as they become by that point stopped publishing annuals in ninety two, maybe ninety one. Mm-hmm. And annuals were hardcovers. Mm-hmm. They they were hardcovers that had the format I was talking about before, where you had X number of new pages of material, X number of reprint pages, and X number of text pages. Mm-hmm. And the annuals ended. And they replaced them with the yearbooks, which for the most part were all new material mm-hmm. uh, and had far less text pages. I think they had like one text story and that was about it. Mm. But it was also a different format. It was an oversized album format with a paperback. But the covers folded out. Mm. They, they gave full covers, mm. uh, at okay. least for a couple of years. Right. And so I think that's why Strangers on a Zoom seems to start with something that is more pages than it makes sense if that makes sense well yeah it's just how do i put it i actually quite like strangers on a zoom and part of it is for whatever reason i i seem to really like jim bikey's work in when he does a dread and i think his layouts are dynamic but it's a really like i was looking at it i'm like oh man that's a really clever double page spread like the double page spread just does some great storage storytelling tricks to pull the uh, some velocity into it but then i realized i'm like oh wait a minute hold on like the next page really doesn't make any sense narrative wise if it's not unless sequence yeah Yeah, and that's where i was like okay it's got to be a triptych which again there's no way you can really you know reprint that properly but it was a little bit of a of a thrower but Again, I, you know, it, it's kind of, it, I see what you're saying, but, you know, that's where we start getting into, like, the Meme Machine story, super disposable as far as Wagner goes. Like, even I kind of feel like for a Meme Machine story, but the art is quite purdy. And so there's there's kind of a lot of this issue. <laughs> was was where that I'm... purdy because it's Meme Machine? Yeah, <laughs> I guess it was. It wasn't, it wasn't meant to be, but... You know. um, no, no, but but again, like this is when you start grading on a curve because yeah. Wagner, I don't think, really goes beyond fine here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that you you do like Funeral Mega City One is is really throwaway. All oh, to be God. fair, all of the quote unquote Judge Dredd poster prog stories mm-hmm. seem especially because that's could you be Judge Dredd, Mean Machine, and, and Funeral Mega City One? Uh, sorry, yeah. and the Boston Crab. Oh, God, uh, with our Henry Flint. Crab. With like, Henry Crab, Henry Flint, after he had a stroke or before he was breaking well, into the business. or Yeah, it's, it's really young Henry Flint. Like, mm-hmm. do you not remember when Henry Flint started showing up in the in the case files? And his art looked significantly different from mm-hmm. even what it does in the case files at this point. Yeah, oh, completely. But all of those feel very throwaway. Mm-hmm. But, but competently throwaway. Right. You know, in the same way that honestly, like on the job with Rufus Dayglow feels competently throwaway. Yes. Yeah. You know, Sugar Daddy does not, but that's because, as you pointed <laughs> out, it's like this mention of a kid and drawn by a kid. But like out of the black stuff, I think, is, is solid, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Which one's out of the black stuff? It's, it's, it's the Sean McNaughton drawn one. The one oh, drawn yeah, by... yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. No, by, you know? by far. Like if you think about it, 
it's it's almost the same story in a way as Return of Reptar, except you know it's an actual fucking story. So I mean it, and it looks good. But in terms of like, oh, here's a weird unknown alien thingy. You know, it's it's much better. Horror House, which is like feels like Wagner doesn't even give dread any dialogue for whatever choice, you know, and, but it's competent. Like it's enjoy, it's an enjoyable read. It's got a little bit of a hook. And, and so then by the time you get to something like, to me, judge dread has been murdered is the first of many just flat out cock punches. Sorry. I don't know if you're trying to <laughs> yeah, wait, stay you, on wait, Wagner, no. but yeah. Well, well, I, I was, but also like we can go back. Cause my point was more or less like Wagner is, is, just fine like it, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't really get to even good wagner but in context of the rest of this book right. like looks like it's manna from heaven right you yeah. know because there's the rest of the material is is just terrible and like yeah. terrible in ways that you can tell that like there were editorial themes for certain things for example the two stories from 2008 sci-fi special are both referencing other things right mm. mr ben joins the judges is a reference to mr ben which is a cartoon that was on television for kids in the 1970s and 80s sin and city is sin city yes right right but right it's the most base, uninventive use of both of those things. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Or you have later on the Incorruptibles and Dread of Drock Green from the 1996 mega specials, where again they're referencing other things. Like the Incorruptibles is the Untouchables, Dread of Drock Green is Dixon of Drock Green, which is a British TV show. But again, they're they don't do anything with that source material, right? Oh, yeah. They're just like you know. This is the job we've been given. Let's just do the bare minimum and cash your paycheck. One of the things I thought was interesting was there is a quartet of stories that I just sort of more or less was reading one after another. And more often than not, they miss the mark. But it's like, perchance to dream the medieval dread, the incorruptibles and dread of Drock green and read by the time you get through dread of Drock green, you're like, okay, this must've been the what if issue of the dread mega special because it's four different alternative judge dreads. Like, but perchance to dream and medieval dread both come from a completely different comic. Exactly. And then I looked back and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you know, again, like, why can't you guys even and on top of that like the rest of the the Judge Dread Mega Special 95 which as we talked about appears to have been published with an eye toward like literally if it's it like it's the canceled comics cavalcade of Judge Dread like if this was all stuff sitting in a drawer that they paid for that they absolutely were legally mandated to publish and had printed six copies of I would not be announced surprised I'm sure what it was was almost all but the same to to cash in on the Stallone movie I would guess because I forget his Stallone's yeah, yeah. thing 95, 95 94 I think yeah I think it's yeah. 95 yeah, so it sort of makes sense that they're like, oh, hey, we got to really get a bunch of stuff on the marketplace. Here's a bunch, you know, naturally, here's a bunch of stuff that is stinking up the bottom of the drawer. Why would they do a sequel to Judge Planet 2? I mean, again, I'm throwing off all attempts to approach this material in no, anything no, like but, an organized but that's, fashion. But that's the thing, right? Like, 
Judge Planet, the story initially, first of all, again, I don't think belongs in these things because it's not a Judge Dredd story. But like a Shiki Kane and Peter Milligan basically making each other laugh. And then Cy Spencer writes a follow-up that has no purpose. Right. <laughs> like, I, 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 Jeff, you can tell me if I'm insane or not. Does Judge Planet 2 actually have a story per se? No, uh, so much so that I actually wondered if um, ah, what's uh, is it Brendan McCarthy uh, that where um, that Al Ewing did the what what was the series that they did uh, together? Zosser of Zilk. Zosser of Zilk. Right, exactly. Just kind of that thing of like I do feel like there's points where the artist. In that case, it's like McCarthy's drawing something and then someone's going to come in and, and basically lay a script over it. And I don't know if and that's you what... So, you think Cy Spencer was the poor guy who was like, okay, like you're you're going to get some pages from Shaky yeah. Kane. Yeah, Shaky Kane had these pages go, try and suture together a story for it. And and in a way they were like, you know, oh, don't worry, how, how off can you go? You're doing a sequel to Judge Planet. But Judge Planet really did a miraculous job of pulling Judge it all seemed together. like a story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Judge and, Planet felt like it had some purpose and, and Judge Planet 2 does not. But again, that feels curiously fitting with this book where oh, completely. so much of it, so much of it feels like either contractual obligation or and again, this sounds like I'm taking the a shot at James Joyce, and I swear I'm not. But it's creators who are not ready for gifts have been given. Yeah, right. you know, no, but no, but for like genuinely, no. you know, you look at something like True Grit and Roberto Corona's art. There is, yeah, like a really good fanzine level, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but doesn't seem like it's something. Like it seems like it's a surprise that it was actually professionally published in in uh, in the magazine. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Or in Judge Every Yearbook as well. And this is when you tell me he's also like 12. And was <laughs> but um, no, but I, I feel that that's the case for like so many. Like Paul Parrott had done other Dread stuff. Yeah. And yet his Dread has been murdered. It does not feel. It's bad. Like I said, it really does yeah. remind me of those first couple of volumes where Ennis is in. But also it's like they're trying to break like all the talent has fled to DC and Vertigo, and they're just literally pulling people off the street. Like it's that level of just just shockingly bad work. I want to talk to you about Confessions of a Vegetarian at some point too, because oh, can we? Because I don't get it. Right? Um, like, I I actually don't like. I don't know. I understand the chain of events that happen. And I genuinely, I've read it like three times in a row. Yeah, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand what the punchline was. Never mind, I don't understand the punchline. I'm not sure, like, what happened in that story. Right, right. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. Like, uh, I have two theories, but. For people who are quote unquote curious, Confessions of a Vegetarian is a, a story by uh, Jim Alexander with art by Sean Longcroft. And um, it, it's almost as if someone 
had described a certain genre of Judge Dredd story, which is to say that it's like someone's like, oh, the great thing about a Dredd story is that you can tell a story about just the regular citizen in Mega City One and how their paths cross with Dredd. And you tell a whole story that way and Dredd isn't even the protagonist of his own thing. And it's as if the person went, oh, okay, I gotcha. And then somehow, like, also got it wrong. The closest thing I can think to flesh that out is the splash page has uh, Judge Dredd standing in front of Bob Burden block. And um, Bob Burden is Flaming Carrot, right? Am I... I'm not... No, that's right. That? Yeah. No, you're right. So... Yes, I know it's that as well. Yeah. So... Burden, who did remarkably ridiculous, tangential stories that feel more or less improv and with a certain degree of, no small degree of whimsy. I'm wondering if this was meant to be some sort of very clumsy tribute to that. Um, I, I like the art and arguably in a way i sort of like the idea of a vegetarian who is more or less being haunted by a number of of weirdly dramatized self-doubts but the whole thing ends up being kind of like you said that i don't get it like there's something that it's not fully incompetent but it actually feels like a judge dread story from an alternate dimension like you know how like um <laughs> you can sort of sit down now and 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 take an ai program and turn out pages of comic art or images based on yeah, suggestions yeah, yeah. and like there will be people who will turn out like i saw someone who created ai like Halloween candy for like each of the 50 different states and and particularly those are like the Columbo Star Wars movie posters where like it feels like stuff that you would see in a dream it doesn't make it does it's it's cohesive enough to that your brain recognizes it as having quality but it absolutely 100% feels like it's from another dimension or something you might have seen in a dream where you yeah, realize yeah. it's not supposed to make sense. That's what Confessions of a Vegetarian feels like to an almost shocking degree. And I guess the shocking part is that it got published, I guess. I mean, you know, it's just... It's not a, but but I, I'm not joking. What is this, the story story? Is the story that, like, the peanut soup that his mother is making involves, like, dead people? Like, wh why... what? What happens? What actually happens? Because my understanding of the story is there's a guy who's a vegetarian right. whose parents keep on trying to make him eat pea and ham soup. Mm -hmm. And there's a girl he likes, and he eventually plucks up the courage to talk to her after, and then tells his mom that he doesn't want the pea and ham soup. Right. Um, the end. And like the, the last panel is Dredd holding up the soup and looking yes. shocked. Right. And I, I honestly was just like, what? What? So I, my guess is is that 
Um, there's references to a goldfish and a goldfish only having memory of like two and a half seconds. Weirdly, I feel as a vegetarian, a lot of this story probably makes more sense to me than it might to you because the level of a vegetarian that you choose to be, um, unless you're anything other than a full on vegan has a certain amount of equivocation and doubt. Um, and so in a sort of dreamlike narrative story, you've got a vegetarian who is haunted, not just by the mother support that, who I don't may not even exist, but essentially you've got a vegetarian who is haunted by things that either they've ostensibly given up, such as the pea and ham soup or the fact that they are still engaging in a level of carnivorousness, which is to say their shoes are made out of leather. And so at one point they go to get rid of their shoes. Now you see him in the Grim Reaper, the sort of hastily uh, redesigned, oh, it's like a, it's a faux Britsit sort of uh, tavern. Um, and the vegetarian tries to talk to a woman actually gets shot down, uh, gets bottled as he, as he puts it. Um, and essentially through the story ends up overcoming their self doubt by more or less literally returning the clock back on time, like getting rid of their shoes, asking the girl out by talking about vegetarianism with them and then walks off like, Hey, I'm a new man. I've totally turned this around. And then you see dread and holding up the, the can of pea and ham soup. And I think that the gist of it is going to be that even though this guy has more or less overcome his inner struggles as much as he thinks by actually acknowledging what he needs needs to change about his life. He literally has to come to, okay, I do want this ham and pea soup. That is something that I want that is not being pushed on me, but I don't have to have it. Okay. I can get rid of these shoes. And the fact that I see this woman that I'm interested in means I'm more or less on the right path. And now I can quote unquote, literally turn back time and go and talk to her. It, I, I, this is going to be the absolute hands down worst comparison of all time, Graham, but I'm ready. It's not unlike blue velvet, you know? Uh, <laughs> wow. I did not see you going there. I'm kind of loving that you did. So for me, and of course everyone else's opinion is deeply, uh, you know, like who's who can say for sure? Because David Lynch will neither confirm nor deny. But to me, among other things, one of the things that is amazing about Blue Velvet it is very clearly structured around Joseph Campbell's heroic journey, and a lot of the imagery is like dreamlike interpretations of the steps that happen to the hero attaining quote unquote enlightenment and defeating the dark forces. Um, similarly, the way in which this character's internal path is completely and surrealistically dramatized 
Um, so like, again, in that way of like, he literally turns back time by taking the hands on his clock and, and pulling it backwards. And therefore it really is the next day. He really does redo everything. But so it's all, it's, it's all surreal dream logic, but it's all following like a kind of to distort kind of a classic archetypal type story, I guess. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure you actually answered my question, though. What? what what's it about, or what happens, or why yeah, does what it happen? Happens? I, I, oh, okay, my question is really, why is this a dread story? Oh, like, yeah. What is no, 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 at that point. No. At the end? Like, Absolutely. That's what I'm confused about. No, of course. Like, of why course. is dread holding up the can? What yeah. makes this a Judge dread story? Because I, I genuinely, genuinely did not understand. Like, I'm not, I'm not playing it coy. No, 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 no. I, I get it. I agree. And and I do think, like again, that idea of somebody. I mean, it's 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 not exactly like they're taking the piss. You know, it's very much like Bob Burton's Flaming Carrot in a way of like someone saying, like, okay, here's like kind of you can tell a Judge Dredd story that's about one of the citizens of Mega City One. And basically someone being like, okay, I'm going to I'll do that. It. Yeah, basically, in a way that 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 twists, that, that more or less breaks that. You know what I mean? I think that actually, weirdly, that was one of the things where when I saw James Joyce's name as one of the artists, I was like, okay, hold on. Were they trying to be funny and that that was this story? Because there is something about this story that also has weird Joycean elements to it. And one of them, again, the weird part is, is the subversion of, yeah, that you can tell a story about a a citizen of Mega City One where Dread's just in the background, but no one's ever done it like this. And one would say, after reading the results, this is There's a reason. Yeah, exactly. So... But again, I think the art in this, this story is actually really nice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was kind of like, oh, it was great. I think it's Sean McNaughton. Yeah, the artist yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like the art is lovely. But the story, I mean, genuinely, sorry, Sean Longcraft. Right. Uh, but the story just confused the living shit out of me. Yes. Well, that that's going to be able to prep you for when the Golden Girls team up with Judge Dredd to, to beat up satan worshiping cliff richard right so which again this the stories in this volume the stories in this volume why not i don't know if we can properly like genuinely express the surreality of them yeah so many of them are references to specific pieces of pop culture which make sense at the time and have not held up through the purple is through the keyhole, which is an old British TV show. Oh, it's the point where you. Gordon Rennie, Gordon Rennie has the 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 quote unquote host, the, the guy who breaks into Dread's apartment, say actual catchphrases from the show. You know, Devil Man is cl- based on Cliff Richards. Mm-hmm. Like, what the living shit? And again, the Golden Girls, Graham, the fucking Golden where, where Girls. Where the Golden Girls make more sense to me? Well, yeah, comparatively, but like. You're like, how are you supposed to interpret the really unsurprisingly unflattering caricatures of B. Arthur? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, 
it's so it's it's so yeah a lot of this is genuinely surreal and again the only thing that sort of i guess masks the possibilities of that is how incompetently everything's done like through the purple like confessions of a vegetarian is again sean longcraft's art is great but jim vicker's art in devil man is horrible morak follows that up on sleeping satellite with genuinely terrible work and then Stuart mack takes die painfully and somehow like seriously it's just like it's like crashing through every time you think that they can't get lower, like the art quality drops noticeably, you know, and, you never and, thought you'd miss Siku, did you? Oh, I actually am convinced that Morak is Siku under like a pseudonym. Believe me. I, and also, no, I'm not missing Siku. I'm not saying that. Oh my God. Fat bottom boys. That was terrible that's also like that's john hinkins and hinkleton's work that's barely better but then the story's worse Ugh. and then pat mills's ah oh there's so much bad shit in here i'm shocked that paul neary who is i believe the same paul neary who drew fantastic four did such a horrible job on that incorruptibles piece like that makes no oh, sense no, to but, me. But no, Paul Neary wrote it. Oh no, it says Paul Neary drew it. Paul Neary did not draw that. I will tell you that right now. That's Steve See, Samson. that's got to be wrong. Clear, I've seen that. It's Thank very you. clearly Steve Samson's work. Thank you. I was like, I've seen this terrible work in Dread before. I did not think that it was Neary. So, okay. No, it's Thank it's you. not Neary. That, that's, that's a mistake. Okay. Thank God. Patch. Oh, just. Oh. So much bad shit. And again, just stuff where you're like, why am I reading this? And not just in a, why, why is Graham making me read this for the podcast? But literally a, why am I reading this? How did this get published? Like there's bulk of, in a way, hats off to 2000 AD and Rebellion for publishing the restricted files, case files, number volume four, because... It almost these are, these are genuinely terrible comics. They're genuinely should most of them should not have been published the first time, much less reprinted. Which is um like somehow reprinting them the second time at least feels like owing up to a crime that you've committed. But <laughs> holy shit! Oh I was going to say reprint re, the, the collection. This collection feels very much like the the triumph of uh, completism. Maybe maybe that's it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. that it, that it's like this only makes sense if someone's like, "Oh no, I have to have everything." Right. Well, and it is. They're like, "Okay, we will give you everything." And in a way, it's like, "Wow, well, wow." Because let me tell you, yeah, get, I did really... you have to include this as part of everything. It's funny. I, you know, we've both talked about not enjoying this volume, to put it mildly. Right. I did have this moment after reading it for the first time where I almost messaged you and was like. I know we said we're going to do it, but maybe we should skip it. <laughs> I have to say, Graham, I was like part way through and I was like, again, in that, like you said, it's the curse of completism. It was like, well, we said we're going to do it. And in a way, I really did kind of have the, um, 
the nice thing about the restricted case files in a way is that it's um you know it's it's because I keep shouting it out, it's kind of not like that really long, mean stretch of the case files where I was like, oh my god, thank god we made it through that. And you're like, good news, it's even worse next volume. And at least this is like, when it was done, it was done. Uh, It's surprisingly bad, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It it really is. It's It's a shock. Um... In many ways. Uh, whew. Graham, so I feel I feel that... <laughs> You're like, I feel okay at saying it's draws. <laughs> oh, I actually had come up with a thing where I'm like, oh, wait, I think I've... Oh, that's it. it it's not even dross. It's dregs. That was it. I, I'd come up with a new rating <laughs> it, for it, it. It is, in all seriousness easily the worst volume we've done of this when we yeah. were making jokes about how bad things got with garth ennis and mark miller and alan mckenzie mm-hmm. this is so much worse because again this is like literally the dregs of that era mm-hmm. this is exactly. the, the afterthoughts of that era the stuff that didn't make it into the weekly progs or the magazine but got printed because they decided they had to do a special that year yeah and it's it's shockingly poor all yeah. the way through, it's shockingly poor. Again, easily the best is the material from Dice Man, which mm-hmm. it's not, you know, not for nothing, came from a decade before these comics. Absolutely, right. Like, Dice Man was published in, like, 84 or something, maybe even earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, On the Job is not great, but has a level of professionalism, and that comes from two decades after yeah, the material right. in yeah, the stuff from the 1990s that makes up a, by far the majority of this volume is proof of just how shitty that year it was. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's appallingly bad. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. so bad that it's... You you genuinely struggle to come up with with a defense, for want of a better way of putting it. Like, right. it's It's very difficult to say, well, at least, you know, X. Because yeah. what's the X here? Well, I mean that's I I I think that overall the X is at least they recovered, right? You know, like this is yes. this. Oh, this I mean, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is such a major step down from even a volume that you and I both again had voted as dross. That it's kind of like okay, the 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 bar did get higher over time you know what i mean like and admittedly part of the problem for the 90s is is that when wagner and grant split and then wagner more or less takes uh an extended leave of absence it and again in it it should strongly be stressed like the british comics marketplace was in such bad shape and and having not having a lot of other people to blame, but themselves in a way there were anyone who could was going to America and working for DC or even working for Marvel in some cases or eclipse and making so much better money and, Mm -hmm. or being treated so much better that, you know, that the, that really it seemed as if the golden era of dread in 2000 AD had passed like, 
forever. Was over, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the fact that it is not, the fact that they recovered is kind of remarkable. When you see this, like, if it had stayed at this level, if it had stayed at the low point of the 90s, it's impossible to imagine. I genuinely believe that Dread would not really still be published today. You know what I mean? Except in only the most mildest of copyright retention exercises, you know? Um, I mean, it's kind of funny to look back at this now and see how, again, how genuinely bad these comics are, mm -hmm. but also be aware that it's how genuinely bad, um, like the Dread movie was, that, that, you know, what, what could have been the breakout moment the breakout success yeah of trek what could have gotten you know taken this character to this whole new level mm-hmm. not only the movie was was dog shit but that the comics also were dog shit well see that's it like i again i have fonder memories of dread than you do uh the the 95 movie but yeah it's 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 not great but honestly good. The number of people that probably went out of it being like, oh, okay, I'll give it a try, and then picked up the, like, Judge Dredd mega like special mega 1995, special. right? Like, I'm like, oh, I'm never coming back to this, you know? Like, this, I, I think as we near the end of of our run on Drock, um, I'm kind of really grateful in a way that we did visit this because it's it's almost like you know that scene in a christmas carol where you see the bad ending for Scrooge. <laughs> wow you know this, this is this watersville yeah exactly exactly and so the fact that it is not you know that that at the height of dread's breakthrough it was such a shambles and such a complete dead end uh, artistically and spiritually and then almost commercially. And now you end up having a dread that is, you know, probably not at that same print run, but is far better, far more Mm -hmm. beloved and just and and deserves all the accolades that it's earned and more so i i do think there's something that i kind of do appreciate that again the that we see this road not taken and it's very easy to imagine the 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 darkest timeline for dread here and that it was ultimately avoided it's just you know i i can't i can't tell you how bad this is and also it's do you know how bad it is jeff it's so bad that previously we've had bad volume and we've been like we're only going to do this for like an hour because we hate it and we found something to talk about Mm -hmm. and we really are an hour now because with the exception of the the dice man strip honestly there isn't anything to talk about here no because the bad stories are really bad but are bad in a way that does not have a redeeming quality you know, like yeah. the most entertaining part of this entire episode is you shaming me for not knowing that like one of the stories was drawn by a kid. 
And <laughs> and I, I you know I I bring it back not only to embarrass myself again, but because everything else is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like everything else is, you know, either just boringly bad or boring, or boring uh, exactly. Which yeah. is which is honestly really sad for want of a better way of putting it especially for a character who at the, even at this point had been around for 20 years yeah and had had an incredible number of really amazing stories right created around them but had such potential as you can see by the fact that you know not only it by the issues we've got to in the regular case files now like you know we're seeing good dread again but also right. in what follows that there's some amazing dread to be done Right. And yet, you look at every story in this volume, with the exception of one, again, published more than a decade before the rest of the comics year. Right. And you think, well, Dread's played out. Yeah. There's there's Absolutely. nothing to be done with the character. And mm -hmm. it's entirely, entirely the failure of the people responsible for these stories. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I, I think so. I It definitely... the. The only two things I'll add to that is one, it all but makes me want to go back and visit those nadir volumes of the case files to see if don't don't do it. Well, to see really if I always feel like there was a bright light that we spot that we talked about, and if that bright spot was really that bright, or or I was just quote-unquote younger and more naive but yeah. but like i am surprised by how much the bad stories here like you said the stuff that is not bad with the exception of the diceman thing are not Aren't really barely either. worth talking about yeah i mean they're yeah. they're yeah. okay but they're not they're not even they're bare they're not really noteworthy like even on their own the best stuff and so like you said, we've only talked about this an hour, for an hour, and I think we're going to wrap it up because – and part of that, I feel, is ideologically, I really don't want to waste my breath on, on this volume. But, but, but it really is you – you would have to dig like a fucking madman to come up with maybe the faintest or most interesting thing to talk about other than the fact that you were totally going to slag a 12-year-old. <laughs> what I like is he was like in the six to twelve category, so he could be much younger. Like oh, James he, could have, he, he was probably really nine. Great. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what I mean. Like he could have been like a fucking great seven year old, and me not knowing him, like this is the worst professional artwork ever. Not realizing it's not professional, and it was done by a fucking kid. Exactly, again, man. That's, again, that's the only thing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's been worthwhile in this episode. <laughs> You know, like for real. Well, it, that is... and finding out that the collected dice man's coming out in six months or something. Yeah, that's it's, super it's exciting. Twenty twenty three, everyone collects wow. dice man. Uh, it's coming out in twenty twenty three, and Jeff is going to be thrilled. I am. I genuinely have nothing else to say about this. Yeah, it's it's. I, I'm sorry, whatnot. Who are like, I can't wait for drugs to come along because. <laughs> 
you know, this is we're we're underperforming, but trust me, we're still overperforming the volume in question. Completely, completely. Yeah, this volume is so bad; it's more or less infected us with its level of uh, mediocrity. We are we we have we have creative mange that we've managed to catch from this volume. So we we're sorry. Flee now and save yourselves is basically what don't I would don't say. don't flee now though, because uh, in the next episode of Drug. The November episode drug. We're doing Case Files forty, which is the last <laughs> volume of Case Files that's out. Yeah, right. Uh, which is so weird. We've caught up. Yeah, uh, yeah. which is genuinely shocking to me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, Slow. join join us next month for catching up with. I mean, not dreads today, but catching up with the Case Files today, which is just amazing and. And exciting and sad all at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to miss Drog. I really am, and I'm yeah. I'm sort of very aware that like you know we've caught up. That what shit you know right right um, you know it, which is funny. I think we'll have to talk about that a little more next episode in in greater length in a way because of course there are people and we ourselves have said like oh well. Maybe we'll do like another, you know, six months to a year of various other stuff, like hit all of Dread's greatest hits, like Origins and Day of Chaos and et cetera, et cetera. But I, well, we'll talk about it next month. But I, I think basically, as sad as we are to see it go, I kind of think it is worth sort of knowing when to see ourselves out. So it's just wacky it's wacky it's genuinely crazy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it really is it is and it's been again in in a weird way like uh an amazing trip for me because again seeing this stuff in volume four like i still remember us starting out and me being like this is good but i don't know why like you know like i really <laughs> went f- in the first you know, thousand pages or something of dread being like, okay, I know what I like, but I don't know why I like it. And, and to be, yeah, I I don't, I don't know what this is. Exactly. And, and being so close to the end of it and being like, if you had given me this volume in the second episode of Drock, I would have been like, I don't, I I mean I didn't like it, but I don't see how it's any different from the previous volume. You know what I mean? And now I'm like, oh man, there's so much stuff they fucked up and did wrong. Yeah, here. you're you're like you let know? you're like let me tell you. Yeah, let me tell exactly. you what they did wrong. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's just just amazing. There's going to be show notes for this episode up on Monday at waitwhatpodcasts.com. Before that, well, you can check it Twitter at the very least at waitwhatpodcasts is Twitter account. Jeff is on Twitter at LazyBastard at L-A-Z-Y-B-E-S-T-I-D. And I am, as always, at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we're a Patreon supporter podcast. So Jeffrey is about to talk to us right now. I am. Hey, guys. Um, we're incredibly grateful for all of our listeners and your years of uh, putting up with the Blibbity Blab, with the Jibber Jabber, as it were. Um and we're super, super grateful to the kind folks at Patreon who not only uh, support us with their ears, but support us with their 
wallets. Uh, throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh. Um, I don't know if Graham saw this, but I was I was deeply touched to see uh, somebody who tweeted to the Wait What uh, Twitter feed and mentioned that they had heard Graham on an old episode of Explain the X-Men and decided to hunt down uh, us. And they listened to our most recent episode before this and were like, I'm in. And that is really incredibly just super heartwarming and also tells you that, you know, don't underestimate a good auto-erotic asphyxiation Chewbacca story, I think. Chewbacca. I don't know. Someone, Ian Brill told me I was pronouncing it wrong. And I, I mean, why should Chewbacca get off any better or worse than every other comic artist and writer's name that I've I, said in I the love, nine plus years? I of love this. that you're doing Otto's fixation. You just said, why should Chewbacca get off? Ah! <laughs> okay, Graham. Don't. Don't get me off. Uh, yeah, I will. Don't make me start corpsing again, because God, <laughs> oh, I swear, man. I did. I that. I think I had a headache for at least a day and a half afterwards. I might have burst a blood vessel. Anyway, we're hugely grateful to all of you for your support, for your feedback, and and we thank you. We want to give a special shout out to Empress Audrey, uh, Queen of the Galaxy her continuing support of this podcast and this section of our universe. Incredibly awesome and very much appreciated. We thank you all. Graham, I'm going to throw it back to you so you can throw it back to me, I guess. I mean, that's that's the way we do this here in Wade Watts Towers. Or sorry, what, what block are we in again this time? Uh, oh, Dave Arneson, uh, Mega Block, which... I don't think that name's going to ring a bell for you. I almost went with F. Gary Gygax, but they are the two co-creators of Dungeons and Dragons and therefore the most popular, uh, um, arguably well-known popularizer of the role-playing game of which Dice Man is uh, an example. I love that very much. Uh, Jeff, it's Drog. You sing us out. I, okay. I shall, Graham. Uh, let me see. How does this go? Oh, right. Drock! You're under arrest, citizen. Report to the isocubes, and we'll see you in 30.